This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Stupid is as stupid does. That's a memorable line from a movie. Do you remember the movie, Dave? I do. Tribute I time. do. Oh, pretty Forrest good. Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump. <laughs> stupid is as stupid does. Well, today's podcast is stupid. What we're going to talk about today are the stupid things people do in the outdoors. Now, here's a disclaimer. Dave and I have both done plenty of stupid things in the outdoors, so we're not looking down on anybody else or trying to make fun of anyone. Well, if we do make fun of anybody, we'll try to turn that back on ourselves. Well, our stupid things have been well documented on this podcast. Oh, yes, they have, so. and uh, we'll, maybe we'll add some more. Uh, but our purpose is to remind all of us how important it is to be careful, and hey, what a more entertaining way to get at that <laughs> and uh, uh, laugh about uh, stupidity. All right, so stupid is a stupid does. Dave, what kinds of stupid things have we seen or done over the years? Well, the first thing that I did was bring a six-pack of Mountain Dew and several canisters of Pringles to a high mountain lake that took me like four or five hours to hike into. So in my backpack, amidst everything else that I needed to take, I you know brought my Mountain Dew and uh, my Pringles. So I'm not sure if that's stupid or just plain smart. What do you yeah. think? Well, it depends how heavy it was to carry it. It depends <laughs> where those cans were or where the Mountain Dew was canned. I guess I was going to say bottled, but canned. You know, I, I remember as a kid one time, uh, we were, we lived in central Illinois and we had driven out to Montana. We were on the Beartooth Pass and my brother and I each opened up a can of Coke. Well, it was probably Shasta Pop. That's what we could afford back in the day. And and it went all over Shasta, the place. Shasta? I haven't heard yes, that word in right. years. Shasta Cola. Oh, yeah. And I opened it up, and I mean, it spewed out, and my brother spewed out. My dad was so unhappy at us for shaking. We said we didn't shake it. And, and later we figured out, well, that happened because, you know, that had been canned at a low altitude. So that, all that is to say, if if you're, uh, did your pop explode on you when you No, it, it didn't. Up? Okay. Although we did put it in the high mountain lake to, to get it to ice cold. Well, no, that's actually Not pretty tell smart. You. That's, yeah, that's really it was, smart. Uh, it was warm stupid. when we got up there, but we stuck it in yeah. the in that cold mountain lake. And man, oh, I tell man. you, a few hours later, we had some nice, uh, nice drink. Wow. So let me give you my first one. That probably okay. was not a really good one. So all I right. think one of the first things that people underestimate what wet really feels oh, like boy. in the outdoors. Yep. Yes. And this is such a risk that we all take on when we go into the outdoors. Several years ago, actually it's probably more than that now, our friend Paul was with another friend who yeah. was out yeah. uh, deer hunting or elk hunting, I believe it was, yeah. mm -hmm. and didn't have the right shoes, didn't right have, have the right gear. He had it in the truck. Had it in the yeah, truck. in the truck, but jumped out in his jeans. It was really and, nice out, yeah. and there was a snow squall that moved in, actually a storm that moved in, mm -hmm. and they found him, his body, well, I think he yeah. was still alive when they found right. him, but eventually yeah. um, he died. So, yeah, very sad. Yeah, so I think we all underestimate what wet really feels like and how Oh. cold wet is i know and so the stupid things that i've done in the past is not really being prepared with a good rain yeah. jacket 
even in the mm-hmm. summertime when you and I go back into Yellowstone National Park, we'll take our waders just simply because mm-hmm. that one year it went from 90 degrees when we left the top of Tower Fall. When we fished two hours later, four miles up river, it had dropped, the temp had dropped below 60 degrees and it yeah. had rained. So we had brought our waders and fortunately we were fine, but, um, mm-hmm. and typically you wouldn't bring your waders, you'd wet wade during that time. Yeah. So I just mm-hmm. think for me, I think the stupid things that we do in a, on a big level is that we underestimate what wet really feels like. Well, I did that on the Wyoming Bighorn. Was it three, four years ago when we were uh, fly fishing with a friend and and we were floating the river, and it was, uh, it was a beautiful sunny day. And I thought, well, do I wet wade or do I put my waders? And oh, I'm going to wet wade. And, and it was fine, but, boy, towards the end of the day, remember, it started storming. It got cool, and I was cold the last, uh, you know, that last little bit. And, and it never felt like I was in any danger. But it just reminded me again, boy, conditions change so quickly. You know, speaking of weather... Uh, I, I've seen some stupid things when it comes to lightning. Uh, back when I was younger, in my 20s, uh, my brothers and I climbed Long's Peak a couple times. That's, the, <clears throat> that's one of the 14ers in Colorado. It's the highest peak in Rocky Mountain National Park. I think it's uh, 14,256 feet. I think it actually grew a couple feet in the last... Uh, what? Yeah, U.S. Geological Survey. Seriously? Either that or the equipment got better. I think I saw that it's now 14,259. So anyway. Uh, but who's, who's measuring? Yeah, that's right. Who's, who's counting? I yeah. mean, a couple feet, no big deal. But I, I'll never forget. Well, the first thing I remember, uh, the first time we ever climbed it, my brothers and I, got we left like at midnight because we, you know, we wanted to be the first ones up and we were terrified of, we, you know, we heard the stories about lightning and so... Uh, we, yeah, we were the first ones up, but the crazy thing is we're going up home stretch. I mean, this must have been, this is kind of this steep pitch and maybe about 50 feet from the top. Here comes a guy down with his backpack and he had spent the night up there. I thought, oh, you're oh going to be kidding me. And, and maybe he wasn't in that much danger given it was a, it was a fairly nice evening, but uh, later in the day, as we went down, it clouded up, and I was still surprised. Uh, later on, uh, I mean, th- this is this is several hours later. People coming up that weren't going to get there until one or two in the afternoon, and and it was starting to cloud over. And I mean, that's just a recipe for lightning and for disaster. So what's the so so? Tell me about that. So you're supposed mm-hmm. to get off the the mountain by when? Um, I don't know if there's any set time, but if, if it clouds, really, you, you want to get off if it's going to cloud up, which, you know, it typically does in the Rockies in the afternoon, because even a, even a brief thunder shower, you can get caught in a lightning storm. It doesn't even have to be a thunderstorm. Boy, just a, you know, just a cloud, and all of a sudden there's this lightning bolt, and boom, you're, you're in trouble. So, yeah, there, the, the suggestion is that you get up there before and down before noon. I, I like to do it earlier. <laughs> I like to do it. I'm talking like I go up all the time. Yeah, it's been, it's been, a, few, it's been a few years. I was out in Colorado fly fishing <clears throat> with your brother this, mm-hmm. this summer, and I saw Long's Peak in the distance, and I read in, I don't know, online or somewhere, there's somebody had died on yeah, the mountain mm-hmm. this year. In yep. fact, there were like four or five deaths uh, in Colorado of people trying to climb these 14ers. Yep. And, so, and, and t- even tourists up on Trail Ridge Drive who are walking around and all of a sudden, boom, you get struck by lightning. 
you just don't expect that to happen, but it really does. Speaking of Trail Ridge Drive, when your brother Dave and I, uh, kind of midday when we were fishing, we decided to go over Trail Ridge Drive to the other side. We came up the southwest side of the park mm-hmm. and to go towards, what's that town? Uh, Estes oh, Park. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. So yeah. towards Estes Park, we were yeah. going to fish the Fall River. So we had to go over Trail Ridge Drive. It was so packed. Oh, it was so yeah. miserable driving over there. I just I just thought, man, mm. there's so much pressure in Rocky Mountain National Park. Oh. So you can see why people do stupid things. You know, with yeah. that many people around, you're going to hit, you know, the I law know of averages it. is going to work out. It. So That reminds me of a time in another national park in Yellowstone where uh, – we were driving along. This, this hasn't been that long ago, just a few years ago, and we're driving along, and, and there's a traffic jam, which we, <clears throat> there, there was, you can almost tell by the number of cars what kind of an animal you're dealing with. You know, Dave, I can, I can almost, before I even see it, I can tell you, this is just a few cow elk, or there's a six-point bull, or there's a big bull moose, or there's a grizzly bear. I can tell you that by the number of cars. <laughs> well, we kind of guessed, boy, this looks like a bear jam. And the funny thing, as we are driving along, uh, right to the left, all of a sudden, we see this bear. This, this is a black bear, but it was a sow with two cubs. And, and they're kind of loping along. And it wasn't, you know, 50 yards behind. Here comes a, a family. The, the, the dad or mom, I forget which one, had a had a camera with a telephoto lens, and the little kids are running behind oh, them. Oh, my goodness. And, and I don't usually do this. And it wasn't because I was angry at them, but I was worried about them. So I said, hey, you're, that's, you you got to stop. That bear could turn on you. And, and they looked at me like How'd that. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they said thank you and, and hightailed it. No, they looked at me like I was this nasty yeah. old man. Nobody who, appreciates no. being you know, singled out when they're doing something stupid. So, and they looked at me like, who are you? And I, I said, that's a sow with cubs. Get your kids out of there. And I think they even were more irritated that I may have ruined the photo (laughs) op. I thought, are you kidding? They lost a few seconds by talking to you. Tell you what, more people have, uh, there's a book in, there's a book called death in Yellowstone. It sounds kind of uh, macabre, but it's a, you know, if, if, if any of our listeners, if you're going to go to Yellowstone, you've got to read that book because it's just a reminder of, I mean, people jumping in hot pools when their dog jumped in to try to save yeah, it. It's amazing. And they die. You know, people trying to get pictures of uh, their kids on an, el- on, a, yeah, on an elephant, on a, on a buffalo, and, you know, they end up getting gored. Uh, I mean, yeah. that, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, yeah, stupid is a stupid does. Boy, for sure. So another thing I think that uh, especially fly fishers and hunters do sometimes is that you stay out too late. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. obviously you want to stay out as late as you can. You want to make that last cast. You want to stay until the light last possible light if you're deer hunting, but sometimes you just stay out too late and then you have a hard time getting back. Now in most instances you're fine, right? If the weather's okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the middle of a snow squall or you're in the middle of a rainstorm or, you know, name it, the temperature turns. Mm-hmm. I'm just amazed all our days out fly fishing and hunting out in the West, how quickly things change. Oh, they really do. And they the weather just pivots. And the next thing you know, you go from really being, well, you go from being warm and hot mm-hmm. to being cold yeah so i think staying out too late is a general 
way that people yeah. do stupid things. Yeah, it's really true. Hey, I've got another stupid thing for you. This is something I did. <laughs> so years ago, right after <clears throat> my wife Priscilla and I were first married, we were living in Portland, Oregon, and we we took a group of high schoolers from our church on a on a Saturday outing, and we went to Oxbow Park uh, in Gresham, just east of Portland. I don't know if you remember that, Dave. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I do. but the Sandy River runs through that. And so we took the kids out to, uh, you know, do this little, uh, well, just to, you know, do some intertubing, float down the, the Sandy River. And, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was quite an experience, trying to shield all these high school kids from all the, you know, the nude sunbathers uh, you know, out on the Sandy River. <laughs> but we, we had our float tubes, and we came to this one place, and I looked at it, and I said, now, look, you guys really need to be careful. There's a submerged log there and you can see all the branches sticking out of the water you've got to avoid that so you know just follow my lead well uh, so i'm the first one to go and somehow i got over in the current and and i ran right into that thing i lost my tube and i grabbed onto a branch <laughs> and the current literally laid me out flat and, and i'm hanging on i'm thinking what have i done and i finally pulled myself up higher on the part of the log that's out and they're looking at me like, what an idiot you are. So they, they all go by, you know, after I've given this lecture about <laughs> how to be careful. And then I think the last one, they went back up again and they floated my inner tube by. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got one chance to hit this and live. And, and <laughs> oh no, somebody floated it down right with them. They came down again. So I, I jumped on, grabbed the tube and made it to safety. But I thought, what, what a stupid yeah, thing to no do. No kidding. Oh man! I do think jumping in, you know, into rivers when they're too cold—that definitely is is one thing. I yes. one of my dad's best mm -hmm. friends lost his life that way. Oh boy! Um, mm -hmm. He was uh, it was back in 1967, I think it was. It was it really was one of the motivations for my dad to leave farm and ranching and to go uh, into ministry wow. was the death of one of his close friends that he hunted with and and fished with. Wow! But he drowned. He got so I don't know. The word isn't cramps, right? Because you don't get cramps. Anyway, he, he yeah. for some reason he he was in he went into the water to to he was working for the DNR I think yeah okay and I can't remember how he drowned but he yeah. ended up in the water and losing his life wow so another thing I think is and, and even in the summer too that that water in the west and even in other places if it's uh, you know if it's glacier fed or mountain spring fed that water's cold well and this was in I think was Memorial Day, so oh it was late May. Yeah. Oh my, wow. yeah, for sure. So another thing I think that people do that's stupid is they they tend not to keep people notified about where they are. Yeah. I was at a mm -hmm. dinner the other night, and my wife and I were invited to a dinner, and at the dinner, the host asked us about who our mentors were, and anyway, it ended up being a really great conversation, but one of them was a professor at Wheaton College he had lost his wife a couple years ago, and she had died of cancer. And as kind of his journey back to health and after he was grieving, mm -hmm. he started doing a lot of backpacking. And he talked about this, the disciplines that he has now. He only has two kids, and they're adults, but he uses Spot. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a GPS tool that enables you to give, you know, it, it always will have the signal of where you're at. And I think you can actually send messages, really okay. short cryptic All messages right. with it. It's Help. Not, yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah. like a text. 
he he recently was in Yosemite this last summer, and he was there for like I think forty days. Huh. And so he would wow. just at certain points he told his kids he would notify them on certain days. But just the way he disciplined himself reminded mm-hmm. me that I get a little bit casual. I think yeah. about notifying. Even you, when we're out yeah. fishing, maybe you go up, I go up too far, I, know, I go downriver. We pack that we're, okay, we're going to stick together. And, and we never we, do. We get all excited. And, yeah, right, we, we and don't. We fail yep. to do that. So especially this fall when we're fishing that Yellowstone National Park area again with all the bears. I mean, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, we just need to be more more alert. Yeah, that that's for sure. Well, I remember a time where I drug my little brother uh, Kevin, I was I was like eighteen. He was probably uh, seven because there's like eleven years, eleven and a half years between us. And and well, we were fishing in Upper Two Medicine Lake in Glacier National Park. And boy, that is a rugged, uh, rugged lake. And you know how it is, Dave. The the fishing always looks better on the other yeah, side of the sure lake. Does. So I had to try it. So. I drug him over there and said, you know, this looks really good. I don't think many people fish it. Well, no, nobody fished it. The reason is because it's almost a sheer cliff. And and so before I realized it, you know, we're, we're on this cliff. Whether I go back or, or move ahead, I've got the same problem. This is a steep, rocky cliff. And there there's water seeping down it, too, from snow runoff. And... And here I am, you know, hanging on to these shrubs and hanging on to my brother for dear life, realizing man, one, oh man, one, oh man. one slip, and there, there's no bank there. It just goes right down into probably a, a an eight or ten foot pool right right into the lake. So I, I still shudder when I think about that, and I think, man, stupid is a stupid does. What was I thinking? Well, I wasn't. Yeah, I did something similar when I was in my twenties. I was. Uh, a leader of a youth group and we went out camping and I think there was probably about 10 of us and there were it was me and then two other sponsors plus then I think there were like 10 kids well one afternoon four of us uh, actually it was me and four kids we went up and climbed this 13er and so we got to the top and we didn't think much of it and as you know as you hike it's a lot easier going up than it is going down you kind of forget that we got to the top. We thought, now, how are we going to get down? So we started going down, and uh, and we hit this this shale and this loose rock. Oh, man. And at the moment we started going down, I thought, man, oh, man, am I stupid. I've got these four <laughs> teenagers. Oh, boy. If one of them dies, and they could have. In fact, yeah. I started to slip down, and one of them grabbed me. Oh, man. And, again, it was hiking. It was not taking into account the whole hike just thinking about the moment it was just one of the most stupid things i would say that was probably the most stupid thing i've ever done especially when you consider the risk having these these high school students and your you know their parents thinking i was caring for them well out in the woods and and i was not so i you know boy i tell you i'm with you on on those hiking can do that for you especially if you're going up and you going up is just a Mm -hmm. lot easier than coming down it yeah. just is. Oh, I know it. Here's a, here's a final one for me, and this kind of gets into the area of hunting, but a number of years ago, I, I should back up and say when, when my dad uh, taught us to hunt, I, I got a shotgun for my birthday when I was 10. Can you believe that? A 10-year-old with a 20-gauge shotgun. Now, yeah. it's not like I could keep it in my room and play with it, but 
but uh, you know, dry fire it in your room. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we couldn't even point uh, guns and play at each other. Uh, my dad was just conditioning us for when you're you're out hunting, you do not point uh, your gun at anybody. In fact, if we did, we were done for the day. Well, when I was in my uh, oh late twenties, early thirties in Montana, uh, we had had a pretty good hunting season and we had some friends that came out for uh, uh from back from the east coast and uh, they, they were actually good whitetail deer hunters they, they wanted to hunt one of the guys though was uh uh well he, he was he, he just wasn't as careful and and i was i was taking him we, we weren't officially guiding we're just taking friends out to hunt but i took him back into some kind of rugged uh country and you know, I just noticed through the day this guy's rifle barrel was all over the place and had pointed at me a couple times. And you know, we went over a stump and or, or over a, a down some down timber and 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 I said, "Here, why don't you let me take your rifle?" And and part of the motivation was I knew it'd be easier for him. Part of it was I just wanted to check this thing yeah, out. Yeah, control that barrel, Dave. I was shocked because I I, I checked it and here the safety was off. What? And you had a shell in the off. chamber? There was a shell in the chamber. Oh, and this thing had pointed at me a couple times. And I thought, you know what? It, one, I'm done. I'm not little, doing this anymore. Yeah, one little slip and I'm dead. And I told him, I said, look, here's our rule. And this is a guy who's 30 years older than I am or 40 years older than I am. I said, look, here's our rule. The safety has got to be on at all times. You only take your safety off and you're ready to, to take a shot. I... I couldn't believe it. Uh, so, man, oh my. you I can tell you, never that, be too careful. No, you can't. That actually reminds me, we were, for years, we hunted pheasants at this farm in southwestern North Dakota. We don't hunt there anymore for a lot of reasons, partly because we don't go for opening day anymore. But the thing is, is that you can control your sons to some extent, how they handle their shotgun and you control some of your friends. Like we would get together at the beginning of the day. Usually we hunt with others about anywhere from eight to 10 of us. And we work a lot of the, the fields and a lot of the draws and, and there's just some great hunting. We did it for years, but the farmer himself was just a really great guy. And, but his view of hunting was, you know, throw the shotgun in the truck. And, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. it was kind of a, it was like a tool, you know, that kind of bounced around in the truck. Well, we're walking along this game trail headed to, to hunt some CRP, some crop reduction program land. And we're walking along. He's right in front of us. And my son is right next to him. And then all of a sudden, boom, the gun goes oh, off. Oh, man. And he had had the shotgun... Uh, pointed up fortunately Shoot. but wow. here he was it was one of the things he did he would dry fire the gun just to make sure there was nothing in the chamber oh, brother. i'm like what <laughs> that's what? just insane so thinking about stupid things oh, oh man. man and it just freaked us out in fact it became part of the narrative like yeah. every year matt and i was my brother and i would <clears> say man you sure you want to hunt this year here because yeah. I think we need to kind of help him, uh, you know, explain some things. I'm not going to mm -hmm. hunt with them. Are you going to hunt with them? Let's have him hunt with Dad, and he can post Boy. at the end of the field. But uh, it yep. became really, really an issue for us. Oh, man, absolutely. Well, that's enough stupid for one day. Uh, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. We need to clear our brains of all of these stupid things that we've done or that we've seen others do with a little bit of common sense. 
So here is a terrific response from our friend Glenn Zarboni. Uh, we, did, we interviewed him in a recent podcast, but he wrote this in response to our podcast on getting ready to fly fish, uh, where we talked about what we do. And this is what he said. He said, I put on my waders when I get to my fly fishing spot. I also have an old bath mat carpet in my tote. Yes, tote. I keep all my gear in a large plastic tote. I do this for several reasons. When people look into the car window, they won't see expensive fishing gear. You know, Dave, I've thought of that. If they look in and they see a, uh, you know, like a Winston rod tube or, or a Sim something. Or even that Patagonia river guide oh, yeah. bag that we have. Yeah, that's true. So that's a good idea. Uh, Glenn continues, he said, second, it keeps the car clean, especially when I have fished all day and the gear is wet. Make sure to pull it out when you get home. I keep a small folding hunting stool that also fits in the tote. As a guide, I'm used to putting my waders and boots on quickly. The night before I go out, I always check my gear and resupply anything that's missing. I will only rig my rod when I get to the river bank. I never know what I'm going to use until I see the water. I have a rod tube that lashes to my sling pack, and the tube has room for the reel. I know where all my gear is in my sling pack, and I'm constantly doing inventory on flies and leaders and floatant and tippet. I ran out once with a client and vowed that that would never happen again. Once I rig up, then I hit the water, and it's time for business. Ah, that's a great, yeah. great post. Very practical. Yeah. I love that plastic tote. Mm. You know, I do too. I was just thinking as I'm reading that, even when we go to Montana, I mean, how much does it cost to buy a plastic tote at Target or Walmart or something? Yeah, pick one of those up, throw yeah. it in the back of the truck. Yeah, that's right. And then you can give it away. Or oh, We know enough people. I'm sure we could yeah. have somebody that would stow. <laughs> well, yeah. they always you... store our bear spray yeah. for us. Yeah, that's right. Can't so, take that back on the plane. Yeah, that's right. So can you keep this tote for us too? <laughs> Well, hey, that's going to do it for today. What stupid things have you witnessed or have you done in the outdoors? Please go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. If stupid is as stupid does, where have you done stupid in the great outdoors? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere. We'd love for you to follow us on Instagram for sure, as well as Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. And if you haven't yet downloaded a podcast app on your smartphone, be sure to do that. The one that's most common is podcasts. And then you can search for Two Guys in a River and then download it and subscribe. We also publish one new episode and one new article each week on our website. And, of course, we would love for you to purchase our book on Amazon.com. It's called The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of stupid fly fishing. <laughs>